As we continue our help series today, we're going to be looking at how the pressure cooker of COVID-19 and this season of quarantine is affecting our relationships. You see, on the one hand, we, uh, we need help with the lack of relationships and the potential loneliness that comes along with that. I mean, think about these different kinds of people. You've got singles that are at home alone. You've got single parents that are juggling homeschool and work. You've got the elderly. And in some ways, a lot of us long for certain kinds of relationships. We miss our friends. We miss our classmates. We miss our coworkers. We miss family. Uh, we miss our church family. And that list goes on. Think about the temptations that come with just the lack of relationships right now. You might be wrestling not just with feelings of loneliness, but feeling like maybe you're unnecessary, you're not needed, or you're just disconnected. You may be worrying about um, who's going to care for you if a need arises, or if you get sick, or who you can even call in the middle of the night if, if something goes on. Uh, you might even long for new relationships, and right now you can't even go out to meet somebody. And so there's all kinds of temptations. Satan wants to use this season to work in a negative way and to destroy your life. On the other hand, there is the abundance of relationships and all of the temptations and challenges that come with that. You see, many of us are spending a lot more time with people like our spouses, our kids, maybe your siblings, and your roommates. And while this season does provide increased opportunities, like, man, take this opportunity to invest in your marriage. Uh, take the extra time where things have been put on pause to invest in your kids, to teach them the things of God, uh, to evangelize and disciple them. But it also comes with challenges. I bet it didn't take too long for just the heat um, of this season to begin affecting your marriage. You see, think things like financial stress, worrying about, am I going to get laid off? Am I going to get furloughed? That's probably caused some conflict between you and your spouse. Maybe it's just working from home together or figuring out who's going to do the homeschooling or just being together. That extra time, you're seeing it additionally. You're seeing your failures and where you fall short. Um, additionally, think about this. Um, not just the time with your spouse, but um, parents are now wearing multiple hats. In my house, um, with five kids, um, the homeschooling piece has fallen primarily on Lee's, on Lee's role because of her flexibility with her work. So right now, she is um, she's teaching two second graders, a third grader, a sixth grader, and an eighth grader. She's the P teacher. She's the science teacher. She's the math teacher. She's the uh, lunch lady. She's the principal. She's the school nurse, the school counselor. She's taken all of these roles on. And so with, with all of that, there's also all kinds of temptations that she wasn't facing that she's now facing. In addition to that, there's the nonstop engagement. Mommy, 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 mommy. Daddy, 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 daddy. Can I have this? Can I have a piece of candy? Uh, can I play on a device? No, I don't want to read. Do we really have to do schoolwork today? You guys know what I'm talking about. This is what it's been like in my house. Do we really have to eat that again? And so there's just the constant nagging or engagement. There's the meltdowns. There's the school. There's the fights. You name it. Have any of you just felt like man, my kids are driving me crazy. Or maybe you're just like, man, I'm exhausted. 
Or maybe you've said, you know what, I just want to go in my room and crawl in a closet and hide from all of the chaos that's going on in my house. Let me talk to the kids here for a second. Hey, kids, listen up here with me. Is your brother or sister maybe getting a little more on your nerves than they used to? What, what about your parents? Are your parents losing their temper? Are they using harsh words with you? Do you feel like maybe some of their reactions to you are, are unjust? Hey, let me, let me let you in on a secret. We all need help. Parents need help along with the kids. Think about these challenges. These challenges of the lack of relationships or the abundance of relationships. Satan wants to destroy marriages in this season. Satan wants to destroy families in this season. He wants to use this to create all kind of strife and conflict. And so as we reflect on these, in a lot of ways, these aren't new challenges. But with the COVID-19, these have just been amplified. And so it's like this pressure cooker where the pressure is increasing and every single one of us need help. Whether it's with the lack of relationships, the abundance of relationships, or both. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We have a passage for us that is just timely. We're going to look at three verses in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, that help us think about um, where we can find need, help for our time of need. Let me read that for you. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. The Word of God says this, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, this passage gives us two essential truths about Jesus and then calls us to respond in two very specific ways. The first truth that I want to share with you is this, is that Jesus is a great high priest. Look back there at verse 14, where it says, since then we have a great high priest. For, for those of you that are new with us, or maybe you're new to Christianity, you may be wondering like, what is this language? What is this high priest about? Well, in the Old Testament, the high priest oversaw the ritual worship and was the main representative between Israel and God. And the function of the high priest really can be seen as, as we look at the annual day of atonement. You can go read about this in Leviticus chapter 16. On the annual day of atonement, the high priest would go into the holiest place of the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies or, or the most holy place. This was a place where, where the presence of God was known to dwell. And only once a year, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies to make sacrifice for the sins of the people. And you see, the purpose of that Old Testament practice was to prepare us for God to send someone who would pave the way for us to enter into his presence. And the author of Hebrews is saying this, 
Jesus is that person. He is, it says here, he is a great high priest. He is the great high priest. Think about it. He died on the cross. That's where he became a sacrifice for us. It's, it's through his blood that was shed that, that we can receive forgiveness of sins, that our sins can be paid for. He died on the cross. They put him in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He spent time with his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven. Here it says in verse 14 that he passed through the heavens. Jesus went into the real holy of holies. He went into the heavens. He's, he's at the right hand of the Father, the presence of God, and he offered himself there. You see, Jesus presented himself before God as the true and perfect sacrifice. You can read about this through the rest of the book of Hebrews. And um, this is where Jesus lives today. He has immediate access to God day and night, and he is there making intercession for us. Now, here's the whole point of this, and here's why this is good news. Jesus makes intimacy with God possible. He doesn't stand between us and God. He takes us straight to God. Through him, there's open access to God. And so the first truth we see here is that Jesus is a great high priest. He is the great high priest. But the second truth that I want you to see is found in verse 15, where it says, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses and propensity to sin. You see, I think one of the greatest fears in life is that no one will understand or relate to what we're experiencing. Have you ever heard anyone say, but you just don't understand what I'm going through? Here's what this passage tells you. I may not understand all the temptations you're facing, but Jesus does. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Instead of being far removed from our experience, this passage says that Jesus has been right in the thick of it with us. So how is it that Jesus can sympathize? Well, the text says this. It says that he was tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. Let me unpack that here for us uh, for a few minutes. You see, Jesus felt the full force and the full range of all the temptations, and yet he prevailed victoriously. You see, while expressions of sin and tools of sin have changed over the years, the essential nature of sin really hasn't. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Take this lens, this verse, and go back and read the Gospels. Go read the Gospel accounts with this lens and reflect on all the challenges that Jesus faced in his life, along with all of the potential opportunities and temptations where he could sin. I mean, think about this. He, he, he wrestled with these same temptations that we wrestle with. Control, comfort, acceptance, lying, stealing, coveting, lust, revenge, and the list continues on. But you may object. You might say this, since Jesus never 
actually sinned, he can't really sympathize with me. He really can't. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, this isn't a new objection. Actually, C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity responded to this objection and listen to what he said. He said this, only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives into temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. We never find out the strength of, of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows the, to the full what temptation means. So in fact, Jesus actually knows the force of temptation in a way that you and I do not know because he never sinned. So think about this. Because Jesus was tempted in every respect and yet without sin, he can sympathize with our weaknesses and propensity to sin. Jesus knows your weakness. He knows my weakness. And think about this. It's not just something that Jesus has heard about, but it's something that he has experienced firsthand. No temptation that you will ever experience is foreign to Jesus. It's even been said by someone that this is even greater than having a friend who's been through what you've been through and can identify with you. Jesus is better than that. So what are some of the temptations that Jesus gets that we face? Well, for those of you that, that wrestle with the lack of relationships, Jesus understands your temptations. He understands your temptations to question God's goodness. He understands your temptations to cope by turning to other people to solve and satisfy only what God can do. He understands your temptations to cope by turning to pornography to comfort yourself because there's no one else to comfort you. He understands your temptation to cope by indulging in earthly comforts like food, clothing, shopping, entertainment to ease your pain. He understands your temptations to even isolate yourself from God and from others in Christian community. Jesus gets it. I mean, think about this. I wish I had time, more time to unpack this before you. But, I, you know, as I reflect on Jesus and his temptations, what comes to my mind is I think of the beginning of his ministry. You know, right after he was baptized, he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and nights in the wilderness. But I'll also jump forward to the end of his life, right before he went to the cross. And one of the one of the times in his life where there was great need for others to be with him. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he takes Peter, James, and John with him a little further and he tells them, watch and pray. And then Jesus goes a little further and he pours out his soul. It says he was very sorrowful, even to the point of death because he knew what he was about to face on the cross and he comes back and do you know what he finds? 
he finds them asleep. He says, could you not just watch and pray one hour? And that happens three times. The closest disciples where he needed them, they're asleep. And then he goes back. You know what? He's betrayed by one of his disciples. Then he's arrested and it says everyone fled. And then soon after that, Peter denies him three times. And then he's on the cross. And on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you are alone and you're wrestling with all of the temptations that isolation and loneliness brings, Jesus knows exactly what you have been tempted with, yet without sin. He can sympathize with your weaknesses. He can sympathize with your loneliness. For those of you, on the other hand, that are wrestling with the temptations, with the abundance of relationships, Jesus can sympathize with your weaknesses and your temptations. He can sympathize with your temptation to think that your spouse, kids, siblings, or roommates are your enemies. He can sympathize with you with the temptation to turn against them during this season. He gets that that, that temptation to take out your frustration and your anxieties on them. He, He gets that, man. It would be easy to blame them for your behavior. It would be easy for you to justify your actions because of their actions towards you. He gets those temptations. He gets this. He gets the temptation to yell, to bribe, or ignore them to get what, to, and to do whatever you have to do to get what you want. And as I share these, I'm guilty of many of them. I've seen it come out in my life over the past month. Jesus gets and understands fatigue and an aching body. Jesus understands the busyness and weariness of life. Jesus understands and knows what it's like to serve and to pour out and not get anything back in return. Jesus knows what it's like to be surrounded by needy and hungry people. Jesus knows what it's like to have longings for comfort and peace and just for a few minutes to lay your head down on the pillow. And all of those temptations that come with that. Jesus can sympathize with your weakness and with my weakness. But here's the good news. He's a a great high priest. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, but he doesn't just stop there. He also extends help, mercy, and grace. You see, because of these great truths, There's a powerful, relevant, and practical application for all of us today. And here's the main point that I want you to get. It's this, that we should hold fast and draw near to Jesus to find help with our relationships. Hold fast and draw near to Jesus to find help with our relationships. As we look back at the text here, we see that there are two commands. There's one in verse 14 and one in verse 16. In verse 14, the command is this, let us hold fast our confession. This means to hold firmly to the faith we profess. In other words, it's because of the life, death, and resurrection 
of what Jesus has done. It's his life, death, resurrection, that he's made a way that for us to be with God. It's to hold firmly our commitment to Jesus. You see, as, as the author of Hebrews was writing this, they were being tempted to turn and leave Jesus. And he was saying, if you turn, where are you going to go to? There, there's no one greater. Jesus is superior to any other way and any other option because he is the great high priest. Priest, he's paved the way for us to be with God. You were made to be with God. Hold firm, hold fast to your commitment. Jesus is the way. But I want to focus the rest of our time on the second command in verse 16. In verse 16, the command is this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you hear that? Every single one of us right now have a time that we are in need. I'm applying this text to relationships, but really we could take this and apply this to any need that you're experiencing in life. The command is to draw near to God. You see, every single one of us needs help, and we especially need help with our relationships. The help that we need is found at the throne of grace. Jesus has opened up direct access to God, and it's at this throne where we can find help. This thing, Just reflect on these words, draw near. I just, told, I just gave you a second ago the Old Testament background of the high priest. I mean, just think, think about this. Once a year, and it was only once a year, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Now the command is draw near. The curtain has been torn. Jesus has paved the way. It's not just like once a year that some high priest can go. Anybody through Jesus can draw near to God. This is amazing. The presence of God, you have complete access to the presence of God right now through Jesus. And yet, in our temptations, what we often do is what Adam and Eve did. They didn't believe God's word. And when God came, they went and hid. Instead of turning to God and running to him, we flee from him. That's what Satan wants you to do right now. Satan wants you in this season to see all these temptations with lack of relationships or the abundance and just to turn from God, to get frustrated with God and with those around you. But this passage here is saying, no, draw near to God. I wanna plead with you today. Draw near to God, run to him. And, and the command here, let us with confidence draw near, is, is a command that's not just a one time, it's actually a present command. And so the picture is that constantly, continually, we ought to be drawing near moment by moment, hour by hour. You see, we may be practicing social distancing right now, but God is not socially distant from you. Let us draw near, and you hear this word with confidence. You see in the Old Testament, I mean, there was a ton of healthy fear on entering into the presence of God. 
and even going into the Holy of Holies. Like th this, was a, this, this was filled with all, I mean, you're talking about the creator of the universe, the glory of God, the holiness of God. God there's no sin that, that can stand in his presence. And yet we can now, with confidence, it's not, it's not that we come fearfully into God's presence. L let me help you think about this for a second. God is not sitting in angry judgment as we approach him. He's not rolling his eyes at our pain. He welcomes us with loving compassion. There, And it's not that we deserve it. You see the words here? That we may... Um, let us with confidence draw near to the th throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. What do those words mean? Mercy is what God doesn't give us that we do deserve. And grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. It's not because we deserve it. It's because God is compassionate. He is loving. He is merci merciful and he is gracious. He is pouring that out and he's inviting us to his presence. It is in his presence where we crush temptation and we honor him with our lives. We don't have to clean ourselves up or minimize and hide our sin. We draw near with confidence because of what Jesus has done for us. My confidence is because I've got a high priest who's right now at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for me. And Jesus is saying, I died for that one. His sins are paid for. And God looks at us as if he sees Christ. One commentator asked, in light of this, what can hold us back? Let me ask you that question. In light of this, what's holding you back from drawing near and finding help in your time of need? As we reflect on verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace this is an invitation to a life of prayer, a, a life of communion with God. John Owen, one of my, um, one of my favorite authors, um, he's reflecting in his book of Temptation. And he was reflecting it, uh, on that same passage at the end of Jesus' life when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and what, he, what Jesus told his disciples, is he says, watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. At the very moment, how, how do you fight against temptation? Watch and pray. How did Jesus fight against temptation at the beginning of his ministry? Every time he was tempted, he took up the word of God. He says, it is written, it is written. Where Adam and Eve rejected and did not believe God's word, Jesus did believe God's word. So we battle temptation. We take the truth of God's word. We believe what he says about us. And then we go to him and we watch and we pray. Here's what John Owen said. John Owen said in his book of Temptation, he says, he that would be little in temptation, let him be much in prayer. This calls in the suitable help and assistance that is laid up, laid up in Christ for us. Quoting Hebrews 4.16. This cast our souls into a frame of opposition to every temptation. When you sense temptation rising because of your lack of relationships or because your abundance of relationships, draw near to him and draw near again and again and again and again. As you reflect on your own particular temptations 
in this season in life. I'm pleading with you right now. Draw near to God. Go to him right now in prayer. We're gonna sing a song in a second and you just may need to go to God in prayer. You may just need to go to the throne of grace. That, that The way you've battled temptation right now is you go. And, and let me tell you this, tomorrow when the tantrums come, when the school and the um, work and juggling all that, go to him again and again and again and again and again. When you're all alone and you don't see anybody around and you feel isolated, go to him again and again and again. He's, he longs for you to come before his presence and he wants to lavish his grace and his mercy. He can sympathize with you and he's ready to help in your time of need. Hey, if you would like for somebody even right now to pray with you on our church online platform, we've got, you can just click, hey, I want to, I want a live prayer with somebody and we've got somebody that can pray with you. Do that. But let me do this. Maybe you're listening in and you're hearing about Jesus making access and way to God. And you're like, I want that. Maybe for you, your relationship with God has been one of more of fear because your sin hasn't been taken care of. But maybe you're saying today, you want to believe that Jesus is a great high priest, that he paid the penalty for your sin, that he opened the pathway, and you want to be reconciled to God. You want to be brought near to God. You want to commit to follow Jesus. Right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just text Jesus to the number on the screen because we want to help you take that next step in, in knowing who Jesus is and finding the grace and mercy that is found at the throne of grace. Let me wrap us up and pray for us as we wrap up our time today. Father, God, we thank you for this word. God, we all long that somebody would understand what we're facing, all the temptations, all the struggles, and we confess by your word, Jesus gets it. God, we thank you that Jesus is a high priest who's not just made the way, but he understands everything that we've experienced. God, help us draw near to him in our temptations. Help us not flee from you or turn from you. Help us run to you again and again and again. And God, I don't know all the specific help that everyone needs right now. And, I, and I'm not minimizing here that there's tangible ways that we help each other. But God, I pray by your grace that you would, you would provide supernatural help for the souls that are crying out to you right now that they might receive grace and mercy. God, we pray that I need that with my family, with my relationships and lack of relationships. God, we all need that. God, make us more like Christ. God, help us to be ones who, because we draw near to you in prayer, we flee temptation and we become more like Christ. God, we pray and ask that in his powerful name. Amen.